Hey everybody, it's Chris. Welcome or welcome back to the Beyond Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this conversation, would you head to our socials at Beyond Church AU, either on Instagram or Facebook and give us a follow. That's the easiest way to share this content with a friend who might find it helpful. And while you're at it, you can click the link in our description to sign up to our email newsletter. That's the easiest way to stay up to date on everything that's going on around here at Beyond. But in the meantime, I hope this following conversation inspires you to take your next step on your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, I've been hanging out for season two of Love Dates and Heartbreaks for like three months. For a very, well, ever since Chris asked me to come and hang out with you guys on a Sunday morning. Hey, my name's Jason. If we have never met before, and it's actually if we've met before, it still is Jason. Um, I would love to start today by playing a little love dates and heartbreaks game. And I need two contestants to volunteer. Now, before you just say, you know what, I don't volunteer for anything in church. There is actually a really cool prize on the line, okay? And if you volunteer, you may have a chance of winning the prize, 50-50 chance, all right? Have we got any volunteers that would like to, and all you have to do is uh, write something on a piece of paper. Okay, we've got one. Anybody else from this side of the room? No pressure. Okay, two. Come on down the front. Let me grab uh, a couple of chairs for us. And uh, you're also going to need the ability to write. So I'm going to have you uh, set up there. And I'm going to give you a piece of paper each and a pen and here's the game this may not have feel like it has any connection to love dates and heartbreaks but trust me it will okay so just just bear with me i'm going to bring up on the screen i i started driving in the 1990s okay so that dates me a little bit for some of you because you're thinking i wasn't even born in the 90s and then for some of you you're like oh my goodness i might be old enough to be his parent because you were thinking my kids were born in the 90s or in the 70s, whenever it was. So here is the game. This is called What's in the Glove Box? Make sure that this is working. There we go. What's in your glove box? The 1990s edition, okay? So this is pre-mobile like phones, although they did have car phones back in those days. I remember somebody that had to carry their phone, like that had a strap and they would carry it around with them, and then they'd get into their car, and they'd like plug it into their car. So you could actually, do you remember, you remember these days, your dad had a car phone, and it had like the shoulder strap. I just thought that was the coolest thing. This is pre-brick. Some of you are like, oh, I thought the first mobile phones were like a brick. No, this was like a whole computer kind of setup that you took with you in your car, okay? So there were no mobile, there's no Google Maps, anything like that, all right? So here's the game. There are five items, okay, that would have been in the glove box typically, or they should have been in the glove box in the 1990s. I want you to simply rank them from most important to least important, okay? So here's, it's gonna get a little confusing, I get it. You don't have to write on your piece of paper all of the information, just order them. So if you think, for instance, a pen and paper should be at the top of the list, put five at the top of your list, and then you might have five, three, one, two, four, or something like that. Does that make sense? All right, you have 30 seconds. Your timer starts now. It's like the game music behind the 30-second counter. Um, all right, keep going. You've okay, it looks like you're both done. You're both done. 
Now, I don't know what I did, but I think I touched something. And I'm going to, if I touch it again, will it go away? No. Now I'm drawing green things on it. This is going to get exciting, folks. This is really going to get exciting. Bear with us. All right. The answer, okay, this, by the way, is for Mentos, a pack of Mentos. That was the huge prize that I lured you in with before. All right, here's the answer. The correct answer is, actually, would you just hold up to the crowd your numbers? Okay, here we go. The correct answer is 14523. Did any of you, either of you get it? No? Which one do you think was closest? Who got, who got the most correct? It's a tie. Lucky I bought two. Lucky we brought, brought two, so you both are winners. Congratulations. What did you put first? Oh, you did? The street directory. I'm so glad you did that. You can make your way back to your seat. Give them a big round of applause. That, I'm so glad. No, you can take the pen and paper with you, actually, if you like. That's like my special gift. If you just give it back at the end of the talk, that'd be great, because I'll use that again tonight. So the answer, both of you put street directory at the top of the list. Now, some of you, some of you are wondering what a street directory is, okay, because you've not grown up with these things. So I'm going to show you not only what a street directory is, but I'm actually going to show you an old school map. Okay, this is from 1956, this map. My wife bought it at an antique store. My wife, by the way, is sitting down on the front row. I'm going to introduce her in just a moment. This is the map of the state of Texas that she bought in an antique store. Do I have it up the right way? No, I do not. This is the, uh, the western side of the state of Texas. It's so big that it actually has to be on two sides. That's how big Texas is. And then this is the eastern side of it. Now, up the top of the map, this is like a history lesson for some of you, up the top of the map are roads and towns and things that then have a little code next to them, and you line up the letter and the number on the map, and you actually find the location of that particular state, or sorry, town or city. That's how it works. And I know some of you are like, that just seems really, really odd. Now imagine back in the 90s, okay, you would not get pulled over and given a fine for reading one of these while you're driving. But today, you can't touch the tiny screen on your phone without getting pulled over and given a fine. I don't get that. As an old person, I think this was far more dangerous than the GPS telling me where to go. Anybody else agree with me on that one? We could touch these things and have them up in front of us all day long. Now, every time, I shouldn't say every time, but oftentimes... When I see one of these, it reminds me of a really fun story. It reminds me of when my wife and I were first married. So we're going to go all the way back to the year 2000 for a moment, okay? The year 2000, okay? 23 years ago, my wife and I got married at the end of 1999. And the reason we got married right before the end of 99 was because I just thought, if Y2K does actually happen, I want to have at least have been married, okay? So we got married literally two weeks before the end of 1999. We planned our very first weekend away in early 2000, so 23 years ago. And we were driving this really cool ride, 
1984 Subaru station wagon. I mean, it was top of the line in 84, but it was nothing in 2000. That was our vehicle in 2000. And I remember this, this one weekend on a Friday afternoon, we were done with work. We both got in the car. I was sitting here. Kristen, do you want to come and sit here? No, you don't. Let's imagine Kristen, who's sitting over there, sitting here. We closed the doors, and I've got my hand on the steering wheel. It was a five-speed manual. Oh, I just love that Subaru. It was amazing. And I looked at Kristen, and I said, all right, so where are we headed? And she looked at me and was like, what are you talking about? Where, where, where were you planning for us to go this weekend? We both got into the vehicle and had no idea because both of us thought that the other person had planned our very first weekend away as a couple. I didn't have words for this at the time. In fact, there wasn't actually a fight, if we remember back now. There was no fight. I didn't have words for this, but at that time, I experienced something that I now today have words for and I can articulate. See, Kristen had grown up in a home where her dad planned all of their holidays. I had grown up in a home where my dad just paid for all of the holidays. My mom did all the planning, my dad just did all the paying. In Kristen's family, her dad did all the planning and did all the paying, and so she assumed, coming into marriage, that I would do all the planning of all the weekends away and I'd do all the paying as well, and I assumed that she would do all the planning and I would just pay the bill along the way. We both came into this relationship not just when it came to holidays and weekends away, but almost everything in the relationship we came into with some expectations. And when I sat in that seat in the car, I was expecting that she had planned the weekend. But here's what I experienced, something way over here where she had done no planning for the weekend. And in that moment, I experienced what I refer to now as the expectation experience gap. A very big gap between what I expected and what I experienced. Now, this happens not just in relationships like romantic relationships as couples, but I want you to think for a moment of the different places in your life. I'm going to bring some different places up on the screen. Different places in your life where you might have experienced the expectation versus experience gap. Maybe at work, one time your boss was saying to you, hey, we actually have grown this year and we've got some extra finances, so next year we'd like to increase your responsibilities, maybe give you a promotion, and then the next year comes around and you're expecting this promotion or you're expecting increased responsibilities, which hopefully comes with increased money. And then the beginning of the year comes around and your boss actually brings in a new person on the team and introduces them and you're wondering, did they get the thing that I was expecting to get? Maybe not in the workplace you've experienced this. Maybe you've actually experienced this at home. Maybe you've got an, an older child who borrowed your vehicle. And when they brought the vehicle home, you were expecting that it would be clean and that the fuel that was used by them would be replaced by them. But come to find, the next time you use the vehicle, these are fictitious, 
fictitious ideas, by the way. These are, nobody's actually experienced any of these kinds of gaps. But you get in the car and you find sand all over the floorboards because maybe they took it to the beach, possibly, just picking out a place where sand might live. And there's no fuel, so you have to go and take your card and fill it up and pay for the fuel yourself. Maybe you haven't experienced it at home. Let's pick on school for a moment. Maybe you are a student at university or maybe in high school and you've gone to school or you've gone to uni and you were expecting that an exam was going to have a certain type of questions on it because your lecturer or your teacher told you, hey, if I were you, I would study these things for the exam. And then you open the exam. They don't do that anymore. They probably just open the exam this way. And you come to find out that the things you studied for actually aren't on the exam. So you expected one thing, but now you're experiencing something else. I know that this would never happen, but let's just go out on a limb. Have you ever experienced the expectation gap even when you came to church? Maybe you've never been to church before, and you were not expecting Jason Mraz at the beginning of this service. Or maybe you have been to church your whole life and you were not expecting Jason Mraz at the beginning of this service. I don't know when, but in almost every area of our lives, I think if we were sitting down over a cup of coffee, I don't actually drink coffee, so I was drinking tea, you were drinking coffee, we would be able to come up with story after story after story where we've experienced what I refer to as the expectation gap. Now, when this gap happens, there is something that we can put in the gap. In fact, there's a lot of things that you can put in the gap. We all experience this gap, and we all typically put something in the gap. Here's what I want to invite you to do. Get some extra credit today for coming to church, all right? I want to give you a resource that will help you put the right thing in the gap when you experience the expectation versus experience gap. So grab your phone if you've got your phone. Some of you already have your phone out because you're a bit bored and we're not even that far into the talk and you're probably on social media or something. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to scan this QR code because today I'm not going to dive into what you can put in the gap, but I want to send you to a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, who actually introduced me to this idea of the expectation gap and he has a great short little podcast. Don't play it now, because everybody around you are going to be wondering, should we play it now? Seems like somebody's playing it now. Play it later. But he does a great job of sharing with you what you can put in the gap when you experience a gap between expectations and experiences. Now, today, I want us to take a completely different turn in the conversation. Here's my goal for today. I want us to talk through how we can actually avoid the expectation versus experience gap. How do you actually avoid the gap? Andy, my friend, is going to tell you how to put something in the gap if you find yourself in the gap and what's healthy to put in the gap. But today, I want us to talk about how do we actually avoid the gap. And here's what I would say. The way that we avoid the gap is focusing on this end of the gap when it comes to expectations. Expectations and how we handle them is actually the way that we can avoid this gap between expectations and experiences when it comes to our relationships. Now, 
for us to do this, I want to take you to an ancient, ancient book called the book of Proverbs. Now, for those of you that are maybe not as familiar with the Bible, the book of Proverbs is simply a book of wisdom. It's actually found, if you take a Bible and you split it in half, you'll probably land in the book of Proverbs or maybe in the book of Psalms. If you literally take the Bible, open it 50-50, you'll probably land in the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs is just a book of wisdom. And here's what I would encourage you with. If you're not used to reading the Bible, the book of Proverbs is actually a great place to start. It's a great place to start. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and famously, people have taken and read one chapter a day, which kind of fills a month of Bible reading. And so I would encourage you, if you don't typically read the Bible on a regular basis, this would be a great place to start because it's filled with wisdom. All throughout the book of Proverbs, you're going to come across two main characters in the book. Over and over again, these two main characters show up time and time again. Let me introduce you to them. They are the foolish person and the wise person. The writer of the book of Proverbs, most of it was written by a guy named Solomon, who is historically thought to be the wisest man that ever lived. He talks about foolish people, and he talks about wise people all throughout the book of Proverbs, and it's incredibly helpful. Even if you're not a Bible person, I would dare you, maybe double dog dare you, just to pick up the book of Proverbs for one month, and just read one chapter each day that corresponds with the day of the month. What's today? You could start on the 28th. So you could start on chapter 28, and you could read all the way through. Start on chapter 1 in March, and you could read through it. It would be a fascinating read for you. Today, I want to just take one particular chapter and highlight four scenarios from this chapter that have to do with the expectation gap that I introduced you to a moment ago. Scenario number one, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. And we're going to take the scenarios all from Proverbs 18. Scenario number one, look for the characters in the story. Fools, there's the foolish person, find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Don't nudge the person next to you. Okay, at this moment, this is not the moment to identify the fools in the room because in a moment you may read another scenario and find out that you are actually the fool because you nudge somebody. Okay, so I just want to warn you ahead of time. Fools find no pleasure in actually understanding other people, but they actually celebrate, they delight in airing their own opinions. I know some of you probably have some names floating around in your head right now, all right? Hopefully they're not people that live in the same home as you, but you might have some names floating around. Maybe it's people at work and you're thinking, oh my goodness, this guy thousands of years ago writing this proverb was thinking of my co-worker today. Scenario number two, look for the, uh, look for the character in scenario number two. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. The writer of Proverbs is basically saying fools are people that answer a question before they even listen to the question. Foolish people don't wait for the end of the question. They actually are thinking of their response while the other person is still speaking. 
I don't know what your family of origin was like. I don't know how your family handled conflict, but I want to share with you and be really vulnerable. In my family, our communication style was this. While somebody else was talking, you were formulating your response as they were speaking so that you could quickly come back to them with a response, whether it was to their question or to their accusation. I see a few people smiling because maybe that was the kind of communication style in your family as well. The wise writer of Proverbs says this, a fool is somebody who doesn't listen and answers before they're listening. All right, scenario number three, looking at the fool and the wise person. Scenario number three, the heart of the discerning or the wise acquires knowledge for the ears of the wise seek it out. So in kind of contrast to the fool, the wise person seeks to understand before they are understood. A very wise man named Stephen Covey once said, seek first to understand before you are understood. That's what the writer of Proverbs says a wise person does. They seek first to understand, then they can be understood. All right, scenario number four, last one. I love this, this proverb says this, in a lawsuit, the first, the first to speak seem, seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. There's actually a famous story of the life of Solomon who uh, wrote most of Proverbs where he describes this two ladies who are fighting over this child, which one was the owner of this child or the mother of this child. And the first comes in, tells her story, says, this is my child. Solomon waits, has the second one come in, hears the story, and then he says, well, let's cut the child in half. And of course, the real mother, devastated by that kind of a concept, says, no, 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 she can have the child. Solomon, because of the cross-examining, because of hearing the other mother, was able to discern who the real mother was. In a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. I want to share with you, as we talk about the expectation gap, the difference between what you expected and what you experienced, what a foolish person does when it comes to expectations. There are four characteristics I would call, or I would say, of foolish expectations. The first one is this. It's the unconscious expectation. You realize that when I was sitting down in the car with my wife, I didn't even realize, I wasn't even aware that I had an expectation that she would do all of the planning. It wasn't until I experienced the gap that I became aware of the fact that, oh, I have an expectation that Kristen would do all of the planning for our weekends away and our holidays. A foolish expectation is one that, first of all, is unconscious. The second characteristic of a foolish, ex foolish expectation is that it's unrealistic. It was unrealistic for me to expect that my wife, who was working full-time, running our family, running our home, would be able to take on the burden of planning and executing all of our holidays and all of our week weekends away. She had never actually 
done that before. She had given me no indication that she was planning to do that, and it was an unrealistic expectation that I had. The third characteristic of a foolish expectation I, I call is an unspoken expectation. I had never actually said to Kristen, Kristen, are you planning all of our trips and our weekends away and our vacations? I had never sat down. We had never had that conversation. And then the fourth and final characteristic of an unhealthy or a foolish expectation is that it's not only unconscious and unrealistic and unspoken, but it's also unagreed upon. She never said to me, Jason, I'm going to do all of the planning for this weekend away. I never asked her if she was going to do it, and she never said, yes, I will do it. Foolish expectations are ones that are unconscious, they're unrealistic, they're unspoken, and they're unagreed upon. So the obvious question is this. If these are foolish expectations, then what makes a healthy or a wise expectation? I'm glad you asked that question. And I'd like to share with you a simple answer to that question. It's what I call the wise expectation map. Now, when I was a kid first learning how to drive, I used to ask my dad a simple question. I would say to my dad, hey, dad, how do we get to such and such a place? Might be the mall like Westfields or it might have been a restaurant or something. And my dad, being a real jokester and a wise guy, would always say to me, this was his common response, you can't get there from here. And I'd always think to myself, That's, that seems impossible. <laughs> of course we can get there from here because I've gotten there with you before. And he would always respond with, no, no, no. You have to go to such and such a place first and then you can get there. Which I would always think to myself, well, isn't that the same as getting there from here, just going through there? But my dad thought it was hilarious, so he'd always respond with that. Today, I want to walk us through the expectations map because you can't just get to a wise expectation from here. There are actually a couple of points along the way that you have to take. And the first point along the way, as you can probably imagine, is that your expectation, a wise expectation, needs to be one that you are actually aware of. So when you're sitting in the gap between an expectation and something that's experienced, and they're not the same thing, the first thing you need to ask yourself is, am I even aware that I have this expectation? When I think about maybe one of my children borrowing my vehicle, that fictitious story I told before of the sand in the car and the empty tank, I have to ask myself, was I even aware of the fact that I had an expectation that they would fill up the tank when they brought it back and that they would clean out the car? That's the first question I have to ask myself. Was I even aware? The second question or the second point on the map is this. Is the expectation realistic? Is it realistic that my child knows how to go and vacuum out the car, knows how to go and fill up the tank? Is that a realistic expectation? Which, by the way, both of these so far, I would say yes. I was conscious that I had the expectation. I was aware of it. And yes, my child, this is realistic that they could fill up the car they could bring it back and they could vacuum it out. 
Now, the third stop along this map, this route that we're taking to a wise expectation is a critical stop. And the third stop is this one right here. Has this been spoken about? Have I said to my child, when you take the vehicle and you are going to use it, I expect that you come back and vacuum it out and that you fill it up and make sure you return it at least in the same state that you borrowed it in or even in a better state would be better. Have I actually spoken to my child about that? And then the final step, this is when the expectation is a wise expectation. This is when it becomes wise. It's still not a wise expectation because it's only gone through the first three checkpoints. But the final checkpoint, this is the critical one to making a wise expectation. The final one is this. Has this expectation been agreed upon? Did my son give me the thumbs up in the text message that said you'll bring the ute back filled with fuel, vacuumed out, give me a thumbs up if you agree to bring the vehicle back in that state. That's when the expectation becomes a wise expectation. Here's what I've discovered. I find myself oftentimes in a gap between what I expected and what I'm currently experiencing, and immediately I want to fill the gap with something but before I even fill the gap with something, I have to be honest with myself and say, is the expectation that I have in this experience a wise expectation or is it a foolish expectation? Foolish expectations are unconscious, they're unrealistic, they're unspoken, and they're unagreed upon. If I want to close the gap or even avoid the gap altogether, I've got to have wise expectations to begin with. They've got to be expectations that are conscious, that I'm aware of. They've got to be expectations that are realistic. The other person has shown the ability to meet that expectation. They've got to be expectations that we've spoken about. We've actually communicated about these expectations. And then finally, in order for an expectation to be wise and healthy, it must be agreed upon. When my wife and I had a recent trip to England, we were there last September, October. I remember getting on and off the subway or the underground, the tube, I think they call it. Is that right? And every time you would stop, they would tell you what station you were at and what the next station was going to be and then they have this famous line in the underground in London, and they say this, mind the gap. There's a gap between the train and the platform, and they want you to be careful of the gap. I would encourage you when it comes to relationships, romantic relationships, work relationships, school relationships, maybe family relationships, mind the gap between your expectations and your experiences. Here's the bottom line, and I'll finish with this big idea today. When you feel the expectation gap, I want to encourage you to follow the wise expectations map. Follow those four points along the map to a wise expectation. One that is conscious, one that is realistic, one that's been spoken about, and finally, one that has been agreed upon.
Because at the end of the day, a healthy expectation must be agreed upon by the other person or else you'll find yourself oftentimes in the expectation gap. Those questions that I asked around the four parts or the four points on the expectation gap, I want you to grab your phone. For Monday, I want you to scan this QR code because it will give you a PDF of the four points on the expectation map. Scan the QR code and you'll be able to download those four points of conscious, realistic, spoken, and agreed upon. And they've got some great questions for each one of those four points that I think will be really helpful. Imagine. I want everyone to imagine just for a moment. Maybe you can close your eyes because that helps you to imagine. Imagine having relationships that have healthy, wise expectations in them. Imagine in your work relationships avoiding the expectation gap because of these four points along the map. Imagine in your romantic relationships avoiding the expectation gap. Imagine in your home. Imagine in your community. Could you imagine if people followed the expectation map the difference it could make in their relationships? I want you to imagine that because it's true. It can be true in your life as well. And you desperately need it to be true. And those around you, those that you love, need it to be true as well. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this incredible book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, that shows us the difference between foolish living and wise living. God, I pray for all of us in the room, people that typically go to church and people that don't typically go to church, people that read the Bible, people that don't read the Bible. God, no matter who we are and what our background is, we desperately want to have healthy relationships. So God, I pray that you would use this simple map of how to have wise expectations to grow healthy relationships in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, once again, thanks so much for listening. And hey, if you live in the Griffin, Marumba Downs, North Lakes, or Moreton Bay region, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend environments. You can find out more by heading to our website, beyondchurch.com.au. You'll find directions, service times, and what you can expect, as well as information on our Upstreet Kids Club, which is our primary school-aged environment, and Infinity Youth, our high school-aged environment. That website, beyondchurch.com.au.